Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Matt. Thank you. This is it. This is the finale of our first season, our Greco-Roman Odyssey, if you will. Yes. An Odyssey that has taken us 10 months since we released our first episode back in January, as we're recording this now. Right. And that is contrasted with the 10 years <laughs> it took Odysseus to complete the Odyssey. Right. All right. So... Are we 12 times better than Odysseus? <laughs> Who's to say? Hard, hard to say. You can't beat the speed, though. Yeah, that comparison. Yeah. yeah po points, points in both directions. <laughs> uh, the one point in our favor is that we have not yet lost any crew members. So, so, far, yes. so far. And we're in the home stretch. But we're never in the say home never. stretch. That's true. And, right. and we still have the golden goat to give out at the end of this segment. He's doing great so far, but <laughs> well, hopefully yes, he makes it to the finish line. Right, that's true. Uh, but in any case, uh, we're here with our two finalists and our three new deciding categories that we've yes. teased so much. Uh, some people may doubt that we even knew ourselves what we're doing. <laughs> but we a reasonable, did. Yeah, a reasonable doubt there, but uh, we did. We did. There was a plan. Yeah. So uh, I know you have some things to add before we uh, kick it off. I do. So, you know, technically this is episode 14 finale part two uh although i do have to i have to mention in part one andrew you proposed some pretty good nicknames for this one i think and i jotted them down you had the otherworldly world cup yep uh the supreme being super bowl and the olympians olympics which i thought right. all pretty pretty strong options for a nickname although on further review uh, each one does contain a host of uh, potential trademark issues uh, <laughs> well, that yeah. i fear would severely strain our uh, god versus god legal budget uh, but very excited to be uh, in this winner-take-all matchup. Uh, I am about to spoil the two contestants. So yeah, if, you yeah, haven't, if you haven't uh, made it this far, now's your chance to pause. I'll wait about two seconds. But yes, now we know it is Apollo, the god of prophecy, against Prometheus, the god of forethought. Now, special occasion for both of us, as you said. The listeners can't tell, uh, but both of us are wearing tuxedos tonight right. to celebrate. Um I originally, in full transparency, we had we had talked about dressing up as our two contestants tonight, but then realizing they both pretty much exclusively wear loincloths, we thought that <laughs> right. might be a little weird, even even for an audio audience, that would just be a bit much. So tuxedos it is, and 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 we both look great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention one quick thing, Andrew, that I didn't mention during during the season, but I think I can now. So my very good friend Mark, a devoted listener to the program. He voiced a concern halfway through the season, and I'll, I'll paraphrase, but essentially he said, you know, those five categories that you guys use in these episodes, all fine and good for an entertaining podcast. <laughs> do they really help to determine which God is really best suited to fulfill the ultimate mission of coming back, saving the world from our troubled times? You know, I, I thought about that, and I do think the categories, if nothing else, provided a thorough audition for all 24 contestants, you know. I would argue both fighting skills and character, both still pretty important to the success of sure, the ultimate sure. mission. You know, each God's it factor legacy, you know, maybe a little less relevant, but I think still indicative of their lasting power, maybe a sign of what their performance right. could be. Uh, whether they would make a good movie or not, that's, <laughs> that's debatable. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, admittedly, maybe not relevant at all, but, but a lot of fun to close each episode. Right. So I don't regret a thing. So, Stakes are as high as they've ever been. These three categories, I think, will give us a, a more direct hit as far as who's really going to potentially do this job better. And, you know, both of these contestants have extra done extraordinarily well to get this far, but it's time for a final decision. So yep. 
We're going to compare and contrast them. We're going to go into those three categories, right. really figure out who is going to be set up for success in the mission. And as as we were talking about uh, before we got on, the timing couldn't be better. I am headed off to Greece right. just this coming weekend, uh, if, in, in large part to deliver the grand prize to the winner, yeah. uh, to get the golden goat to uh, to whoever emerges as victorious. I'm still hoping that a gold-plated goat will make it through airport security. <laughs> Debatable, but we're, right. we're about to find out. So. All that said, Andrew, why don't you start us off? We're going to at least talk you, talk you, the viewer, the, the listener, through these three categories so you're grounded, and then we'll dive in. So, Andrew, why don't you start us with the first one? Yeah, so, you know, uh, give us the best possible entries for our new interfaith uh, pantheon. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is sort of the ultimate job interview, as I think you said before. Right. Um, so, the first category, first of our new categories, is gods with benefits, and so the simple idea here is that we're going to, going to all this effort, you know, if, if Matt's going to sacrifice his beloved house goat, <laughs> and we're going to ask our, our multitude of listeners uh, to offer up a piece of goat kebab or pour a libation or, or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, you know, we need to get some benefit, some little something for the effort, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and something that's going to help us save uh, this troubled world. So, you know, this one, Really, gods with benefits, we're looking for the potential contributions here to save our uh, troubled world. What benefits does this god offer us in the modern day? Yes. And so you're going to give it, tell us a little about the second one, right? Yes. So the second category is what we're calling divine comity. Now I'm pronouncing that with a a soft T because it's comity with a T as in getting along, as in playing well with others. So you know, all many of our contestants did a really great job. We're very accomplished at exerting their own sort of godly will upon their world. Many, much fewer of them have shown the ability to really to coordinate or coll- collaborate in a, in a in a fruitful way with their fellow gods, with, with right. mankind, other miscellane- miscellaneous creatures that show up in mythology. So that said, we agreed that the spirit of, of collaboration does seem pretty important to that ultimate mission to save the world. They right. can't do it on their own. They're going to need to be able to get along with others. So that sense of divine comity uh, will be our second order of business in that second category, which Love will it. take us to the third category, third and final. Yeah, all right. Uh, so that is the, in God, we trustworthiness. <laughs> so the benefits category, we're looking for the upside. Comedy, we're looking to get along. And here, you know, we're trying to limit the downside. Some people may say summoning ancient gods out of whatever realm their retirement is. <laughs> without any sort of permit is, is a bit risky. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the whole Go- Ghostbusters franchise is based on that premise that that's not, not a great <laughs> idea, but no. it's fine here. You know, uh, right. we have a category to deal with that, uh, and that is, are they reliable or are they temperamental? Are they predictable or mercurial? What is the downside risk? Uh, and of course, we're going to try and pick the one with the least downside risk, just to be clear. Yes, very <laughs> so, good. Yes, <laughs> not just gauging, but uh, our preference in that regard, with l- right. the least. Yes, so we'll go through these three. Uh, we will, as usual, each pick our our choice in the three. We will tally the results. Hopefully, there'll be a winner at the end. If not, we'll have to throw right. it to the fates, uh, but that's, we'll find out. Right. So we're going to start. So let's dive right in. We're going to start with uh, just by giving you a brief introduction, a little refresher, you know, in yep. case you you are not fully refreshed as the listener on on who's who, we're going to give you a little little intro of that now. So we'll begin uh, with the you know, who ended up finishing with the most points in our first part of the finale. Uh, winner of episode three, top 
of the two finishers of part one, and that's Apollo. So Andrew, tell us a little bit about Apollo to refresh our memories, if you will. Sure. Um, you know, the little refresher here, uh, these are the gods who won their initial round, and then they went on in our last, our penultimate episode and defeated the nine other gods uh, who had made it that far. Um, and in this corner, of course, we have our high scorer in that playoff round, Apollo, the god of prophecy, the god of archery, the god of plague management, <laughs> the god of music. Um, you know, as a reminder, Apollo is the son of Zeus right. and Leto. He is also the twin brother to Artemis. Uh, and an interesting etymology on his name that I don't know that we discussed before. Hmm. Um, but I found that one version has that Apollo, the name, is derived from the word Apollumi. Hmm. And that means to destroy, oh. implying that he's the god who destroys the wicked and the overbearing, such as, of course, uh, bragging flute players. Yes. <laughs> but, then, but then the other word is Apellon. And that is from the root pelo. And I'm sure this is all going to come up when, when you go to Greece uh, that you'll, yeah, by the time yeah. you get it's back. It's all good, well good, good intro for me, but yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> right. Uh, meaning, pelo, meaning the one who drives away evil. Uh, or a one who rides a stationary bike. Not clear. <laughs> but uh, pelo, So I think we've seen the either of these etymologies could be consistent with at least some of the stories that we've gotten about Apollo. Uh, he has a low tolerance for the overbearing, uh, especially when that overbearingness comes from pride or hubris. Right. Uh, he also drives away plagues and mm -hmm. is the protector of youths, especially male youths, uh, as long as they have a, a suitably humble mother, of course. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and Apollo's journey here, again, he faced off in way back in episode three against his half-brother, um, one of his many half-brothers, uh, but this one, fellow Olympian Vulcan, to use the Roman version, or Hephaestus. And, of course, Apollo, as I said, won in that round. He won Immortal Combat, Curriculum Vitae, and Iconography, uh, winning 3-2 to two against a very formidable component, uh, mm -hmm. opponent. Yep. Um, but these are, as we said, new categories, and he has an even more formidable opponent, who you're going to introduce to us now. I will. So Prometheus, of course, the god of forethought, he was our winner of episode five, uh, soundly defeated the Moirae, the fates, in, in that episode. Um, and even the, even knowing that the god of forethought is going up against the god of prophecy is an interesting little dichotomy already with, with him and Apollo, right? You've got, you know, forethought is really about thinking ahead and planning, which is Prometheus. Apollo, but can, he can tell what can happen because of prophecy. So planning versus knowing. Already an mm -hmm. interesting little, little difference, a distinction to chew on. We'll see if it factors in. Uh, but unlike Apollo, who, as you mentioned, was an Olympian, son of Zeus, Prometheus, of course, comes from the other side of the family, the titan part of the uh, the lineage, the less glamorous branch of the family tree. Uh, that group, of course, is descended from those earlier, more primordial gods, the first representations of the heaven and the earth, the ocean and such followed by these gigantic kind of rough drafts that we know as the Titans. It's early prototypes, monsters often with a hundred heads or a single eye, really more bearing a closer resemblance to serpents and dragons than they would uh, you and me. Um, right. But we all recall those episodes uh, in episode five, the adventures of Prometheus, a few highlights just to refresh your memory. Of course, he was known for switching sides in the Titanomachy, 
departing from his own family yep. to help Zeus right. and the Olympians defeat the Titans and bring in rather inglorious end uh, to his own family's reign. Um, of course, after the war, Zeus gives him the job of creating mankind, and Prometheus immediately outsources the task to his <laughs> idiot brother, Epimetheus, the god of afterthought, who initially makes a real hash of the job, but Prometheus comes in, finishes the job, and saves the day. And really, after creating or after inventing human beings, loves his creation so much, he ends up stealing fire from the heavens, brings it down to mankind, and enables us to thrive. And he's a, he's a bit of a trickster god. So we'll recall he tricks Zeus into choosing in the first animal sacrifice, choosing the less attractive parts of the animal for sacrifice, yep. which, of course, gets Zeus very upset in being duped in front of so many people at, uh, at Makoni. So to get his revenge, Zeus, first of all, directs the creation of women intended as a curse on mankind. Of course, right. we know it's proven to be anything but. Uh, but his revenge on Prometheus, Zeus commissioned, of course, that terrible punishment. Uh, Prometheus was captured by the two hench gods, force and violence. He was bound to a rock and sentenced to have an eagle eat his liver every day for hundreds of years. Right. Which, of course, is a long time for that activity or any activity. <laughs> um, for a sense of scale, there's a lot of modern-day humans who would rather not listen to the eagles for even a mere six minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> the approximate length of Hotel California. Um, now, Prometheus only dealt with one eagle, but it was far longer. <laughs> and in real life, even if that one eagle was Don Henley, it's still Prometheus still had it worse. So uh, he endured his ordeal, never spills his secrets, and he's ultimately saved by Heracles. His conscience is clean. He, he, he keeps his mouth shut. And he's a contradiction, is Prometheus. He's the god of forethought, and yet a lot of bad things ended up happening <laughs> to him. So right. not sure how well he did his job there. But Prometheus ends up being a, a subject of fascination since ancient times over the years, beloved as the creator of mankind. And it's a, it's tireless champion, but also known for being highly intelligent. He, you know, the author, according to many traditions of the arts and the sciences, and a bringer of technology. So that's the overview of Prometheus. And I, yep. you know, Andrew, I'll admit the, these two finalists were two of my favorites throughout the season. Some really fascinating cats. I've grown to quite attached to both, but right. you know, as we all know from the 1986 fine film Highlander, there can be only one. So it's time yes. to choose. Or there can be only one from the Greco-Romans. Well, that, that's true. At least for, for, our, for the time being, there could be only one right. uh, for this season. So let's bring it on. Finale part two. And I'll say it one last time. As always, may the best God win. Because in this case, if not, we're all screwed. So <laughs> Anna right. has to. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. So why don't, you, right. uh, why don't you get us started with that first category? All right. So that is, again, gods with benefits. Mm. So, uh, again... We're looking at the potential contributions of the gods. What's the upside of bringing this deity back? And so I'm very happy that we did adopt our finals criteria. I think it's forced me at least to look at these divine beings a little bit differently. Right. And as your friend pointed out, may, maybe have a little bit more validity uh, to this process. So, mm -hmm. um, And I think, you know, while it's what we hope to get out of these divine beings, we also have to look at their track record of past performance that could be a good predictor of future behavior. It can. So what I've done for both of these in this round, the way I looked at it, was I went through some of the things that they did back when they were active in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I looked a little bit like how, how little thought experiment, how might that apply to us today mm -hmm. in the modern world? So I'm going to start with Apollo uh, as our high scorer. And so Apollo has a lot of gifts mm -hmm. um, to give. Some... I think are very applicable to us today. Some maybe a little bit less so. Yes. Uh, so the first first one is big one is prophecy. 
Mm -hmm. uh, he, he's, he's all over it uh, with prophecy, of course. Um, but interestingly, you know, when one looks at the accounts that we had about prophecy in the ancient world in the season, um, as they thought of it, it's not just fortune telling, mm. right? It's also a tool to solve mysteries. Mm -hmm. It's an advice column. It is medical advice. Yeah. It, it's a lot of different things. So a couple examples. Uh, we saw in episode four uh, when Alcyone's husband, he dies on his way to visit an oracle of Apollo. And he's going there to figure out what to do about his brother who has just been transformed into a bird. That's a problem. So, yeah, so that's a problem. And, you know, now I don't know where it would go, probably the internet. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, so that's it's it's a problem solving. Now it didn't work out because uh, his ship went down, but yeah. it has a lot of application. So Heracles consults Apollo's oracles a couple of times, uh, and not generally to find out about the future, but in one case, he's looking for what his penance should be oh. after murdering his family. Yes, at Hera's instigation, but he goes to to Delphi to figure out all right what is my penance. Right, and then and there's another case where he murders a prince named Ephistus, and for some reason, after murdering Ephistus, he he gets sick. And it's not clear if those are connected. But then he goes to the um, he go, he goes to the oracle looking for medical advice. So again, <laughs> another application. All all right. these are pretty useful. Uh, in episode two, Psyche's dad uh, goes to Apollo to look for some matchmaking advice. That's right. With, uh, yeah, yeah, with Psyche, his, his, his hot, but overmatched daughter. Yes. Yeah, his, his daughter who was too beautiful. That's right. To find a match. So, uh, he does get told, uh, to leave her as an offering on a mountain to a hideous monster. <laughs> so <laughs> not probably what he was looking for. Uh, and, though we know now that it was a ruse, uh, as a favor to Cupid, but, right. um, you know, so, you get that kind of advice. And then uh, we also had his son, Aristeus, uh, the god of beekeeping, who uses prophecy to solve the case of the hot drought summer mm. on the island of Chios, where he solves that mystery by finding out that it is the revenge of the dog star uh, against the killers of his master back when he was a dog uh, due to these killers mistaking alcohol poisoning for a regular poisoning. Right. So he finds out all that from the from the oracle. So yeah. much more than just uh, reading your palms. Yeah, very versatile set of services there. I would say exactly. It, yeah. it, you know, and it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. It's very diverse, but uh, in the modern world, because as you see, there's it's a lot of overlap with the internet. Mm. You know, it's a oh. little bit like a, like a Reddit channel where you have a sacred duty to follow <laughs> the advice of the most liked answer. <laughs> <laughs> so. It, it, you know, it's got its good and its bad, or, or like a how-to on a YouTube video right. uh, that is activated by a libation of wine yeah. uh, rather than watching an ad. <laughs> right. So, but overall, I think it's a good get. Um, you know, maybe the new Delphi could be on the internet. Maybe it could be on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe local police departments could use the local Apollonian Oracle to help them solve cases. There you go. Uh, we just have to, you know, work out the admissibility issue, yeah, <laughs> of the prof uh, of the prophecies in in a court of law. But we we, we can figure that out, right? Um, you know, we have the medical thing I'll, now going on to uh, 
his other things. We have the medical thing, and, and again, that's uh, big. You know, there have been big strides in the last 1,600 years uh, since Apollo went into retirement, mm. but still, our medicine is expensive. Insurance is always a big political issue here in the U.S. Yes. You know, and obviously COVID just showed us that we, we still have a ways to go. We still have much to be humble about uh, yes. in this. So, and I, I think, you know, we can talk about some of his other relationships to plagues in the in God We Trust worthiness round, uh, but on solving them, that, that's definitely an upside. Yeah. Uh, we've got the founding of cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe not as big one, but, you know, somebody who lives in Boston, I think improving urban planning is definitely something I could get behind. Absolutely. Um, and, of course, Apollo invented at least string music, yes. um, which maybe he shares the rest of music invention with his sister girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, the muses. Yes. Uh, but huge gift to mankind. Um, one of the things that really brings joy to life, and unlike... Uh, prophecy which which kind of seemed to die out after apollo yeah. uh left the scene music has stayed with us that's true but but he may be able to make more contributions here you know maybe he'll bring back the liar yeah you know, i we maybe we don't know what we're missing maybe maybe we just haven't <laughs> heard somebody as practiced as him really make the the instrument sing right. um or if he embraces the guitar i mean maybe he could bring rock music back into popularity <laughs> uh, which is something people keep trying to do and, you know, up for that, yeah. Yeah, or, or maybe he'll just invent a whole different type of music. I got a one based about smells or scents or something. Who knows? <laughs> he he could do lots of different things. And so, lastly, on him, I'm going to do the the punishment of hubris and relatedly his purification of crimes and penance. Um, you know, hubris is a real problem today. I think mm. a lot of people walking around with an inflated sense of their own abilities. Many of them are uh, online a lot. Yes. Run into them all day. Or in the case of, uh, say, Vladimir Putin, they have an inflated sense of their own armed forces capabilities. Mm, yes. And uh, can get themselves into a lot of trouble as well as others. So Quite so. A few potential downsides on this one as well, but we'll talk about that in later rounds. Okay. So, so that's, that's just Apollo. And on Prometheus... So we have, again, an impressive list mm. of original gifts, ones that I think pose some interesting questions about how to apply those to our current times. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, famously, obviously, we have the gift of fire. Uh, he went all the way to the sun to get fire for us, right. uh, came back, delivered it to mankind. You know, but it, it's more than a candle light, more than a campfire. It was the start of technology and craftsmanship. And, of course, as you let us know, ramen noodles. Yes. Um, you know, and these were early, early days. Men were sort of, you know, weaker, hairless, cave dwellers. Uh, right. So getting that ball rolling wa- was huge. Um, so it would be good to have Prometheus around uh, as sort of a pilot light in case we either literally or simultaneously lose all fire and forget how <laughs> to make make it or our technology stalls out um, in case we need another boost. Uh yeah, maybe there's some other elements or compounds on other planets or stars that Prometheus uh, wouldn't mind just going and picking up for us. Maybe gra- grab some new radioactive isotopes that we oh, can do something with. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. He, so you know, he he who's to say he's done? So uh, then we have the creation of men out of clay, mm. and he was 
more or less the the one who did it uh, with with a little help from his idiot brother. Right? Um, did he do the best job possible? Arguably not. Um, but uh, again, that's something we can talk about in future rounds. But not too bad overall. And right. um, even though he delegated out the creation of animals to said idiot brother, I think maybe. Prometheus can also probably form animals if he comes back. Sure. Uh, maybe bring back some extinct species like the dodo bird or dinosaur, uh, which people seem to think is an interesting idea, even though it <laughs> doesn't go too well in the movies. No. Uh, um, maybe he could help create some species to deal with the invasive species we already have. So um, lots, lots of different things he could do there. Um, then there's the sacrifice thing, uh, which you mentioned in, in your intro. Yeah. Uh, preserve the best cut for mankind. Now, that doesn't come up too much uh, these days. But if we are successful, as I suspect we will be in creating this new uh, pantheon, you know, mm. I, I still want to keep the good cuts for us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I think it also demonstrates that Prometheus operates so often as an advocate for humanity. Um, you know, kind of like a slightly shady lawyer, perhaps. <laughs> right. Sort of a better call Prometheus vibe. Yes, but... yes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's a good thing. And then the last one I have on him uh, is the preservation of hope. Uh, when all the horrors of Pandora's jar were released in Aeschylus' play, uh, Prometheus admits to the chorus that it was him who saved hope as the only thing left contrary to Zeus's command. Yes. So, you know, a lot of different good and bad uh Thing. I think we have two really strong choices Yes, in this round. Um, but I will tell you that overall, looking at all this in the application going forward, I felt like bringing prophecy back was a little better than improving our technology because I feel like uh, we're, we're on an okay path there. So mm. I went with Apollo as the winner of this round. Okay. Very good. Well, let me backtrack then to the beginning of the category. Yep. Uh, Apollo, as you mentioned, you know, some of his skills more applicable than others. And I think you did a great job at outlining uh, some of those that more relevant ones. We do have to mention a few that are probably a little less useful. Um, since he was the god of herd and flocks, um, you know, that may be pretty critical in certain uh, you know, shepherding circles, probably less right. of an immediate factor to the fate of the world, but yep. he's got that in his resume. Uh, also, I feel like I have to mention, since he is the most Greek of the gods, uh, I would assume Apollo would, would have access to an unlimited supply of, of Euros, Musa, sure. Baklava, my favorite Saganaki. Again, not terribly helpful in saving the world per se, but it would make the world very tasty. Yeah. Uh, at least yeah. For, for, for the time that he was around. Um, there are, I think, some some of his strengths that were pretty important to him that may be you know, questionable uh, in, in our day and age. So, of course, we have his legendary skill in archery. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, right. it was kind of invented by himself and his, his sister Artemis. Um, he used it to defeat Typhon, the serpent monster who attacked his, his mother. And of course, that served him well in, in war and against the Trojans, the Indians, right. others. Um, I did recall, he, we didn't mention this in the original, but in the Gigantomachy, the, the war against the giants that sort yeah. of happened after uh, the great Titanomachy, he did register a half kill against uh, the giant named Iphialtes. And it was a half kill because Apollo shot his left eye and Heracles shot his right eye. So it's just a really interesting use of warfare. Now, back then, you know, archery could have taken you very far. Yeah. That skill might be a little less useful against, you know, your modern day armies, your bunker busters, your, your, your tactical nukes. Right. So great at the time, a little bit less so now. Um, 
similarly, Apollo, of course, had his great athleticism. Yep. Um, only that, again, can go so far in today's world. Now, in the first Olympics, you'll recall he outran Hermes in the foot race. He defeated Ares in wrestling. Who knows today? I mean, for his luck, you know, when he's quaffing divine ambrosia on the sidelines, that could be declared a performance-enhancing drug, and the, the Chinese might disqualify him. So hard to say. I think he would still be a great athlete, um, but not as potent a skill to, yeah. uh, to save our time. Um, that said, some of his maybe minor skills could actually be quite critical. So we'll recall he is the protector of fugitives and refugees. So if trends can, right. should continue and, you know, our Southern governors keep packing asylum seekers into your planes and buses and sending them to posh locales like Martha's Vineyard or, I don't know, Malibu, Aspen, Quincy, Massachusetts, all <laughs> the hotbeds, uh, Apollo will be able to, to pitch in and probably help them out. So that will solve one problem. Uh, he is also the giver of laws and establisher of constitutions for mm. new cities and states. You mentioned he was a founder, but also really yep. did get into that legal establishment. So let's just say at some point, if the U.S. Supreme Court at some point begins to defy the will of the people, uh, he may be able to intervene there, too. So we've got okay. an important check uh, against the check and the balance. Um, you know, the healing part of it, I think, is, is is the kind of the most obvious crossover appeal with what we've got and of course, he was being into wardening off evil and sickness. That tradition, as you countered in, uh, in in episode ten, led to the first physician, his son Asclepius. Yep. Um, and as you alluded to up front, you know, he does have this ability to deliver people from epidemics, which of course could prove really useful for us right now. But as you mentioned, there's a flip side to that. Just as he is willing to heal <laughs> disease, he is also often willing to bring it. Uh, and we'll we'll recall, and I think we'll allude to this a little bit later. But you know, back to the Iliad. In the Trojan War, um, Apollo got a little bit miffed at the treatment of one of his lieutenants and did, yes, send a plague to the Greeks. Right. And they knew only he could cure it. So they bowed down, offered him a sacrifice of many cows. So, yes, on one hand, great healing power. But on the other hand, if you rub him the wrong way, potentially could make a bad situation worse. So yeah. we'll get to the risk element in the loose cannon factor in that third category. But suffice to say, a very powerful skill. Uh, with a, a a large upside and potentially a large downside as well. Um, prophecy, I think you're right. I think there's something to that. I, I had forgotten the sort of multidimensional notion of what that right. oracle did. Um, and yet, if you know, may, there, there may be a dark side to the prophecy as well. So if if Apollo already knows the ending to coming back and saving the world, how hard, how hard is he really going to fight to save us? <laughs> if it's already preordained, will it matter? Uh, I'm afraid this gets into depths of the time-space continuum, right. too much knowledge of the future, the paradoxes, the flux capacitors, maybe a little too much hard science for this program. But there's a risk inherent there, too, that if he knows too much, he just might not try as hard. Um, yeah. But the other side of of his uh, prophecy component was that he always spoke the truth. And this was important. you know, As the keeper of the Oracle at Delphi, you had to speak the truth because everyone needed to trust your prophecy. Right. Apollo never lied. Now, as you mentioned, he was a little cryptic from time to time. Yep. <laughs> he would he would give you more of a riddle uh, than a straight answer. But the truth was always in there sometimes. And you can certainly argue that in this time of mistrust, misinformation, disinformation, you know, fuzzy math, weird science, <laughs> uh, it would be incredibly helpful to have a single undisputed source of, source of truth around. And Apollo, yep. you know, for all of his ups and downs, was certainly that. So he he swings a big bat there. Um, so some some good and some bad, I think, you know, in terms of applicability to add to what you mentioned. Yeah. Um, jumping to Prometheus, you know, as God of forethought, he's always going to be planning ahead. 
always a strength. So if he is chosen, if he wins, you know he's not going to arrive unprepared. Um, <laughs> but he will provide, I think, a pretty rare combination, which is that he's got this sort of, he's got a great brain, wisdom and intelligence, but also kindness. And in my experience, you really don't get both of those at the same time very often. <laughs> you really kind of pick one or the other. Right, right. Um, and as you alluded to, you know, not just the creator, but the champion of humanity, uh, Prometheus. So you got to love his dedication to the cause. You know, if he had a fatal flaw is that he loved human beings so much that he just he gave his all uh, to protect us. And, you know, um, beyond that, he's very good at fixing things. So as you mentioned, Epimetheus, the idiot brother, screwed up that original version of mankind. But Prometheus did step up, save the day, and made man right. stand erect like the gods, gazing forever at the stars. Uh, the sense of him standing up to Zeus and being standing up to the powerful, I think, is, is an important criteria as well. So mm-hmm. when he was able to trick Zeus at Maconi, now, yes, he did pay a great price for it, but he's daring. He's willing to, to pull some shenanigans on the people who are pulling the strings. And I think it is that's exactly uh, what we need in, in a day and age like this. Um, in terms of practical skill for Prometheus, it's hard to say. You know, we don't really have a story of him having any any particular superpowers apart right. from the normal god slate of abilities, right? So, of yep. course, he can fly to the sun to get the fire. Of course, his liver is able to regenerate <laughs> itself every day as, yep. after the eagle eats it out. Um, he is known for bringing, as you said, technology to mankind. I wonder if he is kept up to date. And so I like your <laughs> idea of him going and fetching radioactive isotopes. And my thought was... He was great at fire. Uh, we've already got that. We're pretty good at it. In yeah. fact, in places like California, they they have so much fire, it's more than they can use. They have a surplus of fire. Uh, so it would really depend on whether that that's, that's talent of getting new technology has, has remained up to date or whether you could get up to speed over the last couple of millennia pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, another red flag maybe for Prometheus is that, you know, there because of these mishaps that often happen, despite his good intentions, he ends up becoming known as the god of unintended consequences. Now, and given the the unpredictable state of our world, I have to admit this gives me a little bit of pause. And and, and you'll remember Mary Shelley gave her masterpiece Frankenstein the subtitle of the modern Prometheus. Yes. And like the the doctor of that work, you know, Prometheus is this lone genius who thinks that he and only he can make things better for humankind. And whenever somebody thinks that, whenever they think I alone can fix it, mm-hmm. uh, there tends to be tragedy following after that. Yeah. So. In this case, I think Prometheus would have his heart in the right place. I do wonder, uh, based on the track record, how well he would do an execution. Um, Now, what does make this a puzzling element to the category is that we do have one alternate history. You you mentioned Aeschylus, the dramatist. In one telling of it, in Aeschylus' telling of it, Prometheus has already done the job of saving mankind. So Mm -hmm. in a way, he's already got a sort of a trial run of practice. Now, this goes back to that trilogy that we talked about from Aeschylus, you know, based on the work, the original source material from Hesiod, but you've got Prometheus bound, Prometheus unbound, and then Prometheus the firebringer. In that telling, there is the myth of the five ages of man. Yes. Of course, in which Zeus creates and destroys humanity five successive times. Now, the good news is it must have been the fifth time <laughs> in this Aeschylus telling, Prometheus does somehow stop Zeus from destroying mankind completely. Right. Um, so does it against the will of Zeus. So he's not great in terms of being an employee. So he's very, he's very insubordination is kind of his thing, but he believed in the cause. So you alluded to this earlier, you know, where humans in that final wave of existence may have known the future. Prometheus chose to take that away and instead give humankind hope, which gives us the sort of sense of free will 
everything is not preordained. It's up to us. Right. And in doing that, in Aeschylus is telling, he also taught us not just the way of fire, but all sorts of things to mankind, architecture, astronomy, mathematics, you know, writing, medicine, prophecy. So really did give similar to what the other tell traditional telling of, of, of Apollo, you know, doing that additional work or the excellent work in, in education. Yes. In Aeschylus is telling, and maybe he's taking some dramatic license for his hero, but Prometheus really does teach humankind all this important stuff at the beginning. So whether or not Aeschylus was, you know, ginning up a little bit of extra drama for his lead character, hard to say, but right. it was part of the record at the time. It was the popular work of art at the time. And Sadly, because that uh, the last work of the trilogy is lost to history, we do not know exactly how <laughs> Prometheus ended up doing that, yeah. um, but we're still here. So one assumes that fifth wave of humanity was saved, and so we've got to give him a little credit for having done this before in that one telling of history and saving us destruction right. on the job experience. So in the final analysis between these two, there's a lot of good on both sides and then yeah. a little bit of red flags on both sides, but... You know, there's certain things that are equal. I think they're both gods after all, and even technological advancements aside, they're going to find a way uh, to use their powers to be able to figure something out. Um, if character does matter in this question, I think Prometheus yeah. gets the nod here. You know, okay. humans are always his motivation. They're always where his heart is. And if you think about it, Apollo could very well, based on his history, could kind of rest on his laurels. He was great at everything. He always succeeded I could see him losing interest in, in okay. the mere doings of man, even coming back uh, to try to save us. He could get bored. He could kind of take his bow and arrow and go home. <laughs> and, and it may be because at this point, right. Apollo has nothing to prove. He's kind of done it all. So he doesn't really need that sense of one more accomplishment in his, uh, you know, one more arrow in his quiver, if you will. Okay. Conversely, Prometheus wants it more. You know, he wants to see, he may want to seek redemption. He, he may want to clear his name after right. centuries of imprisonment uh, and want to sort of put that last feather on his legacy. On top of all that, I also recall that Prometheus was never really worshipped at all in the way yeah, that Apollo little, was. Very little, yeah. So he really may be, have this extra motivation of being hungry for new fans. So not only does Apollo perhaps not care as much because he was worshipped all over the all over the place during the ancient years, right? Um, there's an extra dimension to Prometheus saying, "I never really got my fan club. I'm not never getting, <laughs> never really got the credit for the worship that all of my compatriots." Right. So because of that, coming down to motivation and not what's behind the skill, who wants it more? I will choose Prometheus. I'm okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, that is fascinating. So we are split already. <laughs> Great. So, we knew it would be a nail biter. Yes. We are split already. So it is going to come down to the wire, I believe. So uh, then we will go to our second category, which is divine comedy. Yes. With that soft T, again, the ability to work in a team, to get along with others, always a question mark. Uh, with these Greco-Roman deities. Right. And so, Matt, uh, as is traditional, why don't you go ahead yes. on the evens? So Divine Comedy, does Apollo play well with others? Well, that kind of depends who you are. Uh, if you cross his family, he doesn't play well with you at all. No. Uh, of course, you know, he, he he kills multiple monsters in defense of his mother, Leto. Um, hard to forget the story of Niobe, the queen of Thebes, who insulted Leto's children, Apollo and Artemis. One for being too feminine, one for being too mannish, and not the one you wanted for each one. Mm -hmm. uh, so, of course, Leto ordered her kids 
Apollo and Artemis to kill all 14 of the queen's children. Yes. With Apollo taking the boys, Artemis the girls. Uh, only following orders, uh, but certainly not an example of playing well with others when it comes down to uh, how people treat your family. As you alluded to as well earlier, Andrew, he does not play well with those who commit musical hubris. Um, Of course, you know, his life is is full of great musical competitions. He defeated the god Pan, god of the wild, in one of those musical contests, and, and in punishment turned Pan's ears into those of a donkey, which aesthetically really must have messed up the whole half man, half goat look he already had yeah. going, just way too much. Bringing in a new, whole new animal in. Whole new animal, and you, it just throws the balance. Uh, and then, of course, we'll never forget the uh, the satyr Marcius, who uh, unwisely challenged uh, Apollo uh, to a music competition, complained about the fairness of the judging, and ultimately, since the winner of that contest could do whatever he wanted with the loser, uh, was flayed and hung in a tree as punishment by Apollo. So... All instances of uh, of Apollo maybe not being as uh, as copacetic with others as one might hope. Now, if you don't fight for an opposing army or mess with his mom or insult his musical chops, you <laughs> might get along with Apollo just fine. Um, and let's remember, at the macro level, of course, he, at least according to most tellings of this history, invented education. He was great about mentoring the youth into adulthood, helped cities yeah. get founded, all things which require a great deal of bringing people together. Um, and he, as you detailed quite uh, quite eloquently, he was sought after and adored by people through his oracle all over the world because the oracle was so yep. multidimensional and useful, right. had a legendary customer experience. And so you can't run a business like that without getting along <laughs> with your customers. So he, he found a way there, whether it was through management or, or just good oversight. And of course, on a one-on-one level, on an individual basis, uh, Apollo got along great with a lot of lovers, <laughs> male, yeah. female, yeah. nymphs, uh, you name it. So, you know, we we enjoy using the term mixed bag on this program, but I think, uh, you know, it, depending how you look at it, he didn't get along with folks who stepped on his toes. In fact, was quite violent toward them. But when it comes to the sort of the collective nature of his of his work in the world, right. when it comes to his individual relationships, uh, actually comes, comes away looking pretty good in terms of getting along with others. Um, Moving to Prometheus, I think we've we've certainly got a smaller sample size of stories uh, about yeah. him compared to Apollo, but you know mostly he does get along very very well with others. He's of course legendarily kind to his uh, his idiot brother Epimetheus. Yeah, uh, he gives of course us humans his creation anything he can and devoted really a great deal of life to uh, to making our lives better. Um, on the flip side of that, he is still you know he's he's a trickster god and he does have uh, you know we talked about the shenanigans with Zeus at Maconi. Um, you can forgive some of those shenanigans because in today's parlance, he is punching up, you know, he's, he's <laughs> sticking it to the man. Right. Uh, and because as humans, we're left with the benefits of that. We get the better parts of the animal. We get the women, the barbecues, just to name a few. Right. So I think Prometheus scores pretty well. And when he is uh, being a little trickstery, it's 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 with it with the right heart in mind. So it almost comes down to a tie because there's mm. a sort of equal mixed bag on both. Both fare pretty well. But there's a really intriguing aspect to this category that for me breaks the tie. And that okay. is that we do have an instance of our two contestants interacting with each other. Oh. So this is not the universal telling of the story, but in some accounts of the story, right. Apollo himself actually sticks up for Prometheus and, and lobbies to get him released. So he goes to Zeus a couple hundred years into the punishment not only does it and makes you know an emotional plea to to Zeus to let Prometheus go, he does it with really good staging. He's got his mother Leto behind him on one side. He's got his sister Artemis on the other. 
They're both in tears. Zeus is so moved by this display that he finally relents and dispatches Heracles to go and set Prometheus free. So perhaps the ultimate expression of this is these two beings interacting with each other. And in that equation, if all things are equal, Apollo for me gets the nod because he made that move when he didn't have to. Yep. To stick up for Prometheus and to get him released from that terrible punishment. So I choose for the second category for Divine Comedy by a very slim margin. I choose Apollo. All right, that's very interesting. You know, and I, I'm I'm glad that you were the one who went first on on this one because <laughs> this was the one that I I am the closest on. Um, but I'll go through my thinking on it. Um, and it, it, it's similar to yours, but I think I gave. I, you know, because I was thinking of like, how are they going to get along with their other Pantheon members working on a team with them more than uh, mm, working mm. with humans? So I kind of weighted it a little bit more towards their divine interaction. So, okay. um, you know, strong points for both. Uh, for Apollo, I think there are a couple of things to highlight. Uh, you mentioned he, he gets along great with his family, his his mother and his father, which is not always the case. Right. Slightly more complicated relationship with his sister. For for the most part, they they got along uh, well. His twin sister, mm-hmm. uh, but there was of course the incident where Apollo takes it on himself to enforce uh, Artemis's vow of chastity right. uh, by by tricking her into shooting an arrow into her uh, crush Orion um, by goading her in a display of her archery, um, <laughs> and that in turn then Artemis. Uh, is goaded into killing Apollo's girlfriend at the time. Yeah. So a little bit of a blow up there. Um, on the other hand, he had a long-term friendship with uh, Hermes or Mercury uh, mm-hmm. in the in the Roman version. Mm-hmm. Even after uh, Hermes stole his cattle, uh, he was able That's to bury right. the hatchet there. That's right. So, that, so that was a positive. Uh, you know, with his children, it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. Uh, mm. He he did fa- kind of farmed out the raising of uh, Asclepius, but after Asclepius's initial death at the thunderbolt uh, by his grandfather Zeus, uh, that actually p- uh, prompted one of the bigger blowups uh, between Apollo and Zeus, mm. where Apollo goes and kills a Cyclops workman of Zeus because of course he can't directly threaten Zeus, but he kills a Cyclops who makes the thunderbolts. Oh, and um, he ends up getting his way on that one uh, when Asclepius is made a god. Uh, and then uh, some accounts are that Apollo then had to do uh, another year of penance hmm. after that one uh, as a shepherd. But, you know, he stuck to his principles, stuck up for his uh, son, but he also took out his anger on sort of an innocent bystander. <laughs> innocent Cyclops, yes. Yeah, an innocent Cyclops, yeah. <laughs> Sentence you don't hear every day. Um, so complex episode there. Um, then if there is an issue with Apollo in Divine Comedy, it, it's the pride factor. Mm. It's Which is ironic since he is the big punisher of hubris, yes. but he has his own issues with pride. So this might be a case where you know he sees it in others, oh. doesn't like it in himself. So yeah. uh, that came to play in episode four on with Morpheus. As you may recall, that the reason that dreams have prophecy was Zeus saw the arrogance of Apollo at having prophecy and the way he sort of lorded it over uh, the other gods. Mm. So just to bring Apollo down a peg, (laughs) Zeus allowed the dream daemons to have prophecy too. 
Oh, that's right. And, and eventually, uh, Apollo has to go uh, back to Zeus once he's sufficiently chastened. Uh, and because Zeus, of course, cannot go back entirely on this, he has to add false dreams, false prophecies to the dreams so they're they're no longer reliable. Right. Right. And you mentioned Pan, uh, who foolishly uh, challenges Apollo to a music contest and predictably loses. Right. You know, and, you know, and the giving the donkey ears is a bit of a mocking uh, punishment, you know, kind of really uh, sticking it to him, uh, <laughs> you know, disfiguring a, a fellow god with an ear transformation uh, for engaging in a musical challenge. It's not exactly what we're looking for no. uh, in, in this round. So those are, those are kind of the negative uh, sides that, that I had uh, on him. Uh, you know, and it, as you mentioned, uh, with Prometheus, there, there's less to go on because uh, you know, being tied to a boulder for millennia really kind of touched down on your social interactions. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> but, you know, there was that one primary relationship that dominates his, his, his God to God interactions. And that of course is with the big fella Zeus mm -hmm. and his episode, I believe you termed them as frenemies. Yes. Yes. Uh, which does capture that relationship. So uh, again, in, they have this kind of on again, off again relationship, Prometheus, and Zeus align in the war with the Titans, uh, and then with the creation of men, then they fall out over the sacrifices of fire. And then in perhaps uh, one of the lost plays of Aeschylus, um, there is the hint that perhaps they reconcile, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when Prometheus is unbound, um, because he may have told Zeus which goddess not to have children with if, if he didn't want to get overthrown. And that would have been Thetis, who is uh, the mother of Achilles, because the, the prophecy was that she would have a son much greater than her father, and therefore Zeus commands her to, uh, she must marry a mortal. Uh, and Achilles is much greater than his father, but he, he has a diminished father. So... Um, and then in Prometheus Bound, we also see uh, Prometheus interacting with a couple of other gods who kind of come to visit him there on the rock. Uh, Hephaestus is kind of sympathetic to him, mm. feels like he's being wronged. Uh, the Titan god Oceanus shows up, mm. uh, and the, the two were shown as friends, and uh, Prometheus actually has to talk Oceanus out of interceding with Zeus because he says, that that's just going to get you in trouble, my friend, so... <laughs> You know, we'll just, I have to wait this out for a couple hundred years. Right. He's cooled down a little bit. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, there is the famous relationship with Epimetheus, where he is a bit overindulgent, but also very forgiving. Right. So, real complicated one. And I did note the the, the intercession of uh, Apollo and, and probably Artemis, too, who intercede on Prometheus' behalf to, to get him freed. Yes. Um, so... Again, less evidence here, and we have the two mixed bags. But, you know, when it comes down to it, that relationship with Zeus, that on-again, off-again, I think most of it we, we would probably blame on, on Zeus being yes. the, the, the wrong party in that. Um, however, I don't think Prometheus was totally uh, uh, innocent in that. Certainly not. No, and, he he and, was pulling the shenanigans all all throughout and 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 unprompted. So yeah, Zeus had so, to respond. Did he respond accordingly? Did the punishment fit the crime? Perhaps not. Yeah. So I 
have joined you in going for Apollo okay. in this one as well. So we have our first clear winner. It is one tie and one for Apollo. Yeah. We're going into our third deciding round Yes, uh, where uh, Prometheus can tie it up and send it off to the fates, and we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So this is In God We Trustworthiness. <laughs> Which is a little bit of a mouthful. Yeah, you did it well. That was good. Yeah, uh, but and this is we're going to call a god out of retirement, an ancient deity to help us save our troubled world. It's probably worth asking a little bit about the trustworthiness. Yes. Of of that deity, you know, ideally we're not looking for a Gozer the Gozerian situation here <laughs> with the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Um, so, which one of these two deities can we trust most? Who has uh, the least downside risk for us. Uh, so, Apollo, I think I've already hinted a couple times on what his downside risks are. Uh, Apollo was known as the god of sudden death, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is which is not not to be discounted. Uh, any no. sudden death could be attributed to Apollo, especially uh, for for male or male youths. Um, it could be deserved for some reason. It could mm-hmm. be a mercy. Or it could be just that your mother was a little bit mouthy. Right. So um, <laughs> then there are the prophecies, which, while technically always true, mm. did have some ambiguity to them. Very much so. Uh, occasionally uh, indirect or just, just confusing. Um, and so... While having divine messages uh, to spread throughout the world is is a good get, uh, when part of the, big part of the reason why I gave him the win in our first round, the risks of those being misunderstood is something we sh- we should be concerned about, and we have here, Matt, actual historical evidence from prophecies given by the oracle at Delphi mm-hmm. that were recorded. So this is empirical data. Yes. Uh, hard so facts. Hard facts. So in 1630 BCE, for example, okay, going way back, the the king of the island of Thera uh, went to Delphi and he was told to found a colony in Libya. Hmm. But one problem with this is that the king of Thera literally had no idea what Libya was. (laughs) So he just throws up his hands and and they don't do anything. They don't know where, where that is. Uh, so then, uh, the, the Therans have a drought and things aren't going too well for them. So, oh, well, we, we should maybe go back to Delphi, get a little more help from the Oracle. Uh, and this time it says, make a settlement at Cyrene. Hmm. And again, the Thebans say, you know, Google Maps will not be invented for no. 2,600 years. <laughs> Could you draw us a map? Uh, but that's all the Oracle gives them. So they go to their buddies on the island of Crete which I believe is where you will be going soon. Yes, I will. And uh, they tell, and the Cretans are a little more worldly. They're they're big sailors. So they they tell them where Libya is and (laughs) in the general sense of where Cyrene uh, would be. And so the Therans uh, establish a a colony, but it wasn't the exactly right spot, apparently. So bad luck still haunted them. But then they get some local helps from some local Libyans they said, no, this is the right spot. Uh, this is where you found the city. And so they do found their city there, uh, but and, and their bad luck stops. So the oracle was correct. 
you know, but at times it can be kind of like, you know, Ikea instructions with a couple <laughs> panels are missing, <laughs> which is just frustrating. <laughs> Very much so. You could have had Libya for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then there's another famous case of misinterpretation. Misinterpretation. I think this is the most famous one. Uh, so the king of Lydia, which is uh, kind of over in Asia Minor, which what is now Turkey, mm-hmm. he asked if he should join the mainland Greeks in their war with Persia, mm. uh, and his and his emissaries were told that if he did, a great empire would be destroyed. Mm. Now, so unfortunately, the emissaries of the king didn't bother to follow up and say. Could you tell us which empire that would be? <laughs> no if we have an empire, questions. the Persians have an empire. This this seems like 50-50. <laughs> uh, but they, they, you know, they'd already left. The moment had passed. It was a little embarrassing. So mm. they just took that message to the king. And unfortunately for them and their families, it was the Lydian Empire that was uh, destroyed. So, mm. so the misinterpretation uh, is a little bit of a risk, I think. And then we have the anti-hubris stand, which we've mentioned a couple times with the music contests uh, and the Naomi's kids, uh, which you mentioned. Yes. You know, um, just being slaughtered over, you know, some over-the-top braggadocio by their mother. <laughs> right. Again, a, a bit of a downside risk. And, you know, and lastly, of course, while Apollo could stop a plague in the right si- situation, he was... Ch- nearly just as happy to, to start one up uh, as, as we saw in the Iliad. And you've, you've already mentioned that one. Yeah. So that's, that's what I had around Apollo on Prometheus uh, side, you know, usually has some good stuff. There are not too many sh- stories of Prometheus intentionally causing harm to people. Mm. Uh, but he does of course, occasionally miscalculate. That's true. Um, so such as Pandora's Jar of Horrors, which was unleashed on mankind in retaliation for Prometheus giving us fire. Right. Um, and there was a lot of lot of bad stuff in that jar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, more, fa- you know, just a lot of bad stuff. But, um, you know, that again, I think, is more directly at Zeus's feet than right. Prometheus. But there was some miscalculation there. Um and then it's unclear whether the gods can bring their own entourage back with them. Mm, that's, you uh, know, we should have set that rule. That's true. It's, uh, yeah, no, nobody's really done this before. So yeah. does the idiot brother Epimetheus come back with him? <laughs> that's a red flag. That's a, that's a risk for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a risk. You know, Epimetheus is not a bad guy. No. He means well, but he, he's just not necessarily part of our ideal divine regime. Uh, that we would like to establish. Yeah. So, Almost like if you cast Alec Baldwin in a movie, then he also had to include, you know, Billy and Steven in the same movie. <laughs> it, it's a risk. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, we don't know what the writers are um, <laughs> on this contract. But all that being said, uh, you know, the risk of another uh, pan- pandemic being started, uh, some, some of the, the, the sudden death uh, piece yeah. of it, I did go with Prometheus as having the least downside risk. Mm. And and so my vote on this category is going to Prometheus. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Well, I'll tread lightly over a little bit of the things that you've talked about. I think if there's one thing that's really predictable about Apollo, where he is incredibly, you know, 
solid and consistent, it's winning. Yep. You know, he always won in archery, music contests, athletic competitions. Anytime he had to confront a monster in defense of his mother, you know, almost a perfect record across the board. Right. But, you know, then again, as we talked about, he often goes a little over the deep end, uh, even in moments of victory. You know, we playing the loser of a friendly competition, <laughs> sending, as you said, arrows full of plague to poison his enemies. Uh, in a strange way, and I can't decide if this is predictable or not, but he, there's a part of Apollo that also just hates to make a decision. You know, we, I think the best example, of course, and you alluded to it earlier, is when he fell in love with all nine of the muses. Yep. He was just unable to pick one. And so he remained forever unwed and essentially just dated all nine of them his whole life. So essentially, you yeah. know, treating life like in the same philosophy that you would approach a buffet. You know, there's a little bit of everything, you know, just yes to all. Right. Uh, there's a certain predictability to that, but there's also a certain unpredictability because you are choosing not to choose. Um, so a little abstract there, but I think mm. in a certain way that that sort of balances the scales a little bit in either direction. Um, on the Prometheus side, you know, of course, he began with the ultimate act of rebellion being the Titan fighting against the Titans and the Titanomachy. Um, but from yep. there, I think he, you know, apart from the sort of trickster nature that he had with Zeus that we talked about, of course, stealing fire, rearranging the animal parts. He's pretty much a model of consistency, at least as far as what he can control. So he yep. does everything for humans. Um, the fact that, you know, as you alluded to, over all those centuries of torturous punishment, he had the knowledge of that punishment, that prophecy about Zeus that everybody wanted to hear, especially Zeus himself, and yet mm -hmm. never revealed it. Um, or if we're to believe part of that telling, maybe revealed it to Zeus after he was finally freed. We're not clear on that, but I think right. that's, there's a decent case to be made there. But the point is, during his imprisonment, he kept his mouth shut. And I think to me, that's the ultimate act of, of trustworthiness. It's having that information, but still keeping your mouth closed, doing your time. And right. like the mobster who comes out of the can <laughs> with never having squealed, he, he kind of walks out and is in everyone's good graces. Yeah. So when you combine all of these, I think, you know, to his credit, Prometheus with him, you know what you're getting, you know, he's always going to be on our side. And in the context of the risk either way, even if there's risk about him being a little tricksterish, it's unlikely he'll aim that toward us. If anything, it will go toward protecting us, not creating risk for us as humankind. Um, we know that Apollo, in contrast, you know, definitely stands up for his own. But beyond yep. that, his, his allegiances are very much more abstract. He kind of, he, he allies with whoever makes sense at the time. He kind of, he's this sort of solo figure who, who really looks out for himself first, apart from his family, and chooses a little bit of everything rather than take a principled stance in any one direction for too long. So given that it's, again, a very, very close calculation, I think since he was able to do hundreds of years for us without keeping, without, while keeping his mouth shut. Yep. I think Prometheus, in that gesture of trustworthiness, gets the nod on this category for me. <laughs> so Prometheus is my choice, which I think gives us exactly the outcome <laughs> we thought might exactly. be the case. Yes. Yes. For those scoring at home, yes. uh, if if you this week got your scorecards, uh, that would show you we are one to one with a tie. Oh, and so that brings us to the fates fitting i think fitting that the moray sisters are going to be the ultimate deciders uh yes. they were deciders of so much in the ancient world uh, and that that is going to be the case here so um i think we have to take a little bit of a break All right. as i set up the sheet and we will come back well i'll tell you what while you're doing that 
uh, I do want to just prepare the golden goat for its award, even if we don't know for another few minutes where it's being awarded. So I mentioned this last time, you know, I've been raising uh, and, and he's been keeping, we've been very well behaved this, this goat since we started this back in, in January uh, in the week, since we recorded our previous half of this episode, I have been in preparation for this episode, hand coded him, the goat with 14 karat gold uh, to prepare him for, for the ultimate grand prize. Now, I feel like I have to say, for all you animal lovers out there, and and I'm one of them, have been over the years, I'd like you to rest assured that I have taken precautions to keep our little friends safe. So now, Andrew, you can see over the camera, our audience cannot, but you can see that I've left some holes in, in the in the metallic covering so that our goat is still able to breathe inside there. So, Well, apparently, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think... As a as a as a thank you to all the sacrifice that our little friend has made, I think it's 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 time to give him a, a, a chance to say a few words. So, what do you say, little buddy? Any any words for our audience? Not your your big moment has arrived. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean that sounds that sounds good. It sounds a little echoey in there. Um, but I guess you are kind of encased in gold, so I suppose it makes sense. But hey, it's good news. That means you're alive uh, and beyond. That little responsive bleat just now. You know you've been keeping rather quiet throughout the festivities, which I assume is just to honor the sanctity of the moment. Andrew and I have done that with our tuxedos. You've done it, our little goat friend, uh, with your your rapt and quiet attention, which I appreciate. So he's ready to go, Andrew. Um, you've been able to uh, to consult. As with anything involving ancient history, it all comes down to a pre-programmed randomizing spreadsheet. <laughs> yes, that, and, that uh, is true. Do you, do you have a verdict for us? I do not. So, well, then we, why don't we take a quick break, yeah. pins and needles, and we will come right back with uh, with an answer, and who gets the golden goat? Just on the other side of this break. And we are back, coming out of the break for the final section, the verdict of the fates. The spreadsheet is about to speak, and we will yes. we will observe it live as it happens. Yes. So, Andrew, you've got the screen shared for those of us at home, yeah, ready to flip the magic cell to see who wins the golden god and takes it all home. Yes, the we're gonna hit, hit the invoke the fates button, yes. and it's gonna give us live here who is the winner. And here it goes. Here it goes. Oh, Prometheus! It is. Huh? Prometheus, indeed, the Titan, the god of foresight, brings it home wow. in a tight battle to the end against Apollo. Yes, the skin of his teeth. Skin of his teeth. Wow. He's made it. He's gone a long way from the mountain types in the Caucasus. <laughs> <laughs> I should say so. To first deity out of retirement. Boy, I tell you our, what. Our uh, pantheon. Yes, very exciting. I'm excited for him. I, I do have a, a few short remarks prepared for him. I yeah. wasn't aware who was going to win, so I kind of had some for both. But, uh, you know, Prometheus, of course, as a lasting force in the culture, uh, still loves his dear creation of mankind, which suggests to me he's still paying attention. So, you know, it, it, it's not as though he has a final resting place that when I go to Greece next week, I'll be able to visit. Right. Um, but I think we can be pretty confident that due to his love of humanity, he is he is paying attention to the proceedings here and we'll be made aware of this. So I'll be on Greek soil. I'll be able to, to make this announcement officially. And I'm sure he'll hear it and be present to that. Now, since this is the one being with centuries of experience and sitting around being tortured, 
I gotta believe that he's a, he's a devout listener of this podcast. So if nothing else, he'll hear this episode uh, when it drops on Friday. So yeah. our message to you, Prometheus, first of all, congratulations on your victory. Um, since you were instrumental in winning a 10-year war that uh, reshaped the course of history, I imagine yes. you have some sense of what a triumphant moment feels like. And this has to be right up there with with that. So um, with with that, Andrew and I would like to present you with the golden goat, who, who I will bring with me uh, next week. <laughs> Uh, in exchange, Excellent. all we ask, uh, Prometheus, is that you, uh, you know, limber up, get off the bench, maybe catch up a little on technology because we've right. advanced a little bit since fire. Um, and it's your turn to to do your best to to save our world. You have tough, you've won tough battles before, uh, and I think we're asking you to do it one last time. So uh, that is that is the finale, Andrew. I yeah. think uh, we've learned a lot. It's been quite a journey. Mm-hmm. We finally have a winner of that golden goat to be delivered shortly. Uh, back in Greece. So I suppose it's time to say our thank yous. Uh, yeah. You know, as always, our thanks to Andy Snow for the theme music. Really enjoyed right. that this year. Thank you to all of you out there, every listener who's been along with us for this uh, this profound and in some cases bizarre journey. <laughs> right. Uh, and Andrew, thanks to you, uh, my friend, for making this all possible. I make it a practice not to uh, not to drink during these, uh, but I do have a, a glass of cider here, which oh, is nice. fresh, fresh cider from uh, from a local area. Kind of a you know tying back to the golden apples. <laughs> oh yes, very nice. Uh, so I raise my glass of apple cider to you for your your dogged Excellent. work and uh, and artistry throughout the season. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that. I will raise that glass to you remotely. Uh, very very well done. And yeah, thanks to everybody. And right, anybody yeah. you'd like to acknowledge on the way out? Well, you know, I just want to let our listeners know. You know, some of them may be asking, well, what what can we do to help? Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, especially if, if they're listening to this live, you know, some, this may be similar to the Tinkerbell effect, uh, in, in the movies of Peter Pan, you know, just your belief. That's right. Is it, it brought <laughs> Tinkerbell back from death. So shouting out your window or, or wherever you happen, uh, to be, I believe in Prometheus. Yes. Is a good start. Great. Uh, also, if you, if you feel like doing a sacrifice of, of something goat related, uh, you know, maybe that that's that's helpful. Um, <laughs> a votive candle, I, I assume, lighting a fire probably is a good oh, way to get Prometheus's attention to make sure he is is willing to come back. Um, and of course, as always, uh, listen, like, and review, spread the word. And it, it, and then on the other hand, if if you're uh, somebody listening to this in the future uh, hopefully yes. you are enjoying the burst of technological growth we've we've uh, brought about and just the general saving of the world so that's true so it takes on a whole other meaning when you're looking at it in the future where the world has been saved thanks in large part to prometheus so this enjoying this program is just is a a a good thank you to that sending send your good graces back in time in gratitude to the great prometheus our winner of the season. Congratulations right. to him. Congratulations yes. to all of us, frankly, because uh, <laughs> well, life's about to get a lot better once yeah. he is uh, at his duty. Yeah, for a season well done. Very good. All right. Well, let's leave all it right. there, my friend. Well done. My thanks. Thanks to all of you. And we will see you next time uh, as whatever unfolds after the season takes place. We've got some surprises in mind for a little bit later on. Yeah. Which we'll reveal down the road. But until then, thanks for being a part of it. And uh, good luck out there. Bye-bye. Bye.